What's up, everybody, and welcome back to On the Break, the last dance episodes five and six edition. It's J Mac and Kyle Beats. Josh is out this evening. Kyle, what's going on, my man? What up, man? Glad to be back. Uh, excited to talk episodes five and six. Let this I really enjoy, enjoyed these a lot. I did too. We let these breathe a little bit. We've been doing instant takes right after, but I, I know a lot of people have been kind of watching it at their own pace and everything, which I can kind of appreciate given that nothing else is going on. And yep. so we wanted to let this breathe a little bit. I wanted to hear a little bit about like where everybody is now that we're deep into this thing. Like we're over halfway through, uh, you know, I think the, the hype has maybe died off just a tad bit from where we were maybe at the beginning of it. But I wanted to see what the takes were like going through the week a little bit before we got into this. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I honestly, I feel like there's still a lot of focus around it. I mean, the anticipation and angst isn't there like it was for episode one, but I mean, I think it's it's humming. I don't know what the ratings look like. I don't really. I'm not like a ratings guy, but I guarantee you they're high. Well, I feel like there's a lot of social media buzz on it too. Well, the uh, ESPN announced, I think it was yesterday, that just given the success of how this has gone, they're ex- expediting three other thirty for thirties that are coming this summer. One of them is the uh, home run race with with uh, Bonds, McGuire, McGuire and Bonds. Yeah. And Griffey oh, and everything. Dude, that's what I love, baseball. Dude, hell yeah. That was a great time for I'm baseball. all for dudes using performance-enhancing things <laughs> to enhance their performance because I enjoy watching it. Absolutely. <laughs> so, I mean, it, things have gotten desperate. We're watching, you know, Korean baseball league shit. I you're mean, watching I, Korean baseball. I'm not watching You're Korean not. Baseball. Excuse me. Yeah, let's be real clear about that. But we, I picked a team. I figured out, like, what the Yankees are of that league, and I'm just going to fucking go with it, you know, kind of thing. And we'll figure it out, you know? It's better than yeah, nothing. Yeah, I mean, I think honestly dude i I don't know where i'm gonna go i already told you i was watching the 96 nfc championship like i'm starting to dig pretty deep here yeah i think i gotta stay away from the nfl because i have ptsd from the cowboys i think i'm gonna go back and watch some of the uh just in in memory of kobe maybe watch some of those lakers like 2000 especially before kobe and Shaq really had the animosity let's do some live streams of those and we'll just watch them together and and we've never really like some to the series or something like that Definitely. because it's Simmons made a comment about this uh, last week is like these series get these own their narratives on them and get remembered differently than they maybe went down oh. and like you know my perspective and your perspective are certainly going to be different and that's that's the interesting thing to hear is because like you know we can both talk watch the exact same game and be like you that's what you saw like that's yeah. what you're getting and that's the fun part about it well and that's josh's favorite thing in the world is to call people out for their bad quote-unquote takes but then you know he's turning around thinking that dirt plays for the u.s dream team i mean you know there's <laughs> yeah. just... or shack's not a top 11 player of all time i'd fucking believe yeah, i was getting ready for him to ask me just like was hakeem on there like everybody that's not from the states josh thinks is mm-hmm. um but yeah, man, I really think like with the social media buzz, this is a no-brainer for ESPN to start, you know, pumping out more products like this. And like they have them in the in the arsenal, in like the they can, have yeah. stuff on schedule. It's like you just got to speed it up because what else are you going to do? I mean, that's an absolute cash cow. I feel like absolutely, they hit it big on that. That was that was by far and away, aside from actual Grantland, that was Bill Simmons' best creation, and it seems so simple too. You know, yeah. it's it's an, it obvious. It's a no-brainer. And yep. they changed how sports documentaries have been done. And, I mean, this has been no exception. I, I, I've really, I think overall this has been really well put together. But I would say the, the one thing 
that I kind of keep coming across is there isn't really a whole lot that I'm learning that I didn't already mostly know. But, you know, there's some interesting tidbits here and there. I, I'm learning small details that I didn't know. I definitely under can predict, like, I mean, obviously predict. We know what happened. But I, I, I know kind of how the timeline's going to go. I know the things that they're going to hit on. Uh, but I'm getting small little tidbits there. My favorite thing is just that behind the scenes, what what Michael's saying before games, you know, when he's talking about Kobe, for example, you know, in episode five in the all-star game, he's like that kid, you know, he's not even saying his name and yeah, uh, just seeing that. And like, man, when he comes into uh, that's the 98 all-star Eastern all-stars and it's like star studded with dudes. I mean, Shaq and Penny are there um, or not Shaq, uh, Penny, Grant Hill. Uh, I mean, you got a lot of guys, and as soon as he walks into like a photo shoot, it's like everyone just freezes and like kind of just stares at him like this idol. And it's yeah. like I don't think any player will ever have or possess that kind of like command of a room when they walk in, dude. So the only other person I can personally tell you that I know that to be true about is Allen Iverson, and that's crazy because he's five eleven. <laughs> No, I've been in a <laughs> casino in Vegas where he's walked in before, and it just it changed the whole room. But was he like that? Where I don't feel like dudes in the league were necessarily somewhat, but not like with MJ, man. No, like, definitely not. It's, but it's I'm, just saying, I'm just saying. I'm just saying it. I think it takes a very specific person that to really capture what it was like to change, or I, I guess. This is a really tough thought to, I guess, express, but I guess it takes a certain type of person in culture to change the way people look at X, Y, Z. So, for instance, I would say Michael obviously changed the way people look at basketball. AI did the same thing on a cultural level, and I think sure. that's where that that difference comes into play. For, like Those are just two really good examples, but Kobe was like that too, I'm sure. He was, but, I mean, Mike just took the game to a whole new level as far as global popularity as yeah. far as branding with shoes it's like no one is gonna have and i mean it's it's hard now because the game's so advanced no one's ever gonna have that much of an effect on the game ever again in history no if lebron hasn't been able to make that kind of impact nobody <laughs> right, will. that's what i'm saying yeah unless zion just stays healthy for like 22 years it's not happening right and that's not uh, gonna. I just. I don't yeah. see how that could happen because because of the just anticipation for so long about LeBron. Like, I mean, from high school, we were hearing about LeBron, and if somebody like that and the success he's built, if somebody like that can't shift a culture like that, then I don't know. I don't see that happening. I really don't. Because it takes a really particular personality. I'll I'll make a case for who I think out of all the current players in the league has the best chance to command the level of respect or uh, just be that magnetic when they walk into a room. Now they're not going to have the paparazzi following them around like they were Jordan at every hotel game. Cause we have social media, right? So right. take that out of it. It's not going to be like, you know, the Beatles just arrived like it yeah. was with Mike that isn't going to happen. But as far as like how other players see him, it's Kawhi. And that's like, if he, if he wins his third ring in a third city, and he does like if he would have done it this year, especially back to back. I just think because of the way he carries himself with, you know, obviously we know that we know the whole, you know, shtick with him. I don't think it's shtick. I think it's just no. His I think he's a sociopath. <laughs> but I mean, quiet to himself, hard worker, diligent, 
Like, I think when guys see Kawhi, they're like, fuck, man, like, that's the dude. You know what I'm saying? I do. I think it's easy for you and I to say that because we know how dominant he is. I'm just saying uh, of everybody in the league who would have the most, like, oh, shit, that dude's that dude. That dude is the dude because everyone Mm -hmm. thought that about Mike. And you could tell that. It was a room full of all-stars. Yeah. I actually think it's Kawhi, not LeBron, because everyone knows LeBron's big, fast, and strong. But, like, Kawhi Mm -hmm. has that that killer instinct i think more than anybody in the league right now yeah probably so but he's just not as charismatic as mj could be what he wanted to be and that's the most interesting part about it i don't think Kawhi has that capability but as far as like a value player for player like i'm that like that like i I thought it was so telling that chuck in this episode was like that this was the first time where i thought i'm not the best player on the court yeah, that's, like, there's nothing I can do. I feel yeah, helpless. And that's, that's one of the best basketball players of all time. Right. And I can't, I just can't get past, like, I, I just can't get to a point where I see anybody else even coming close to that. I, I just don't, again, especially if LeBron hasn't done it, because that dude has a killer instinct, but I just think it's different. I don't know. It's a more passive. Well, aggressive. and the league's more star-studded now, too, so True. it's harder for one guy to stand out because there's, 20 to 30 star level players right and i'm a i am 100 tired of hearing the argument that everybody seems to be under this impression that the talent level in the nba was the same then than it is now and that is absolutely crazy you mean like some of the older guys thinking the talent level back then was as good right so i'm saying like yeah the, uh, the league as a whole nowhere near the same like right your fourth fifth sixth seventh eighth player we're nowhere near as good as they are now. Correct. Like, like we all know, like, I, I don't, I'm not going to air a bash, like Magic, Larry, Mike, Barkley, all those dudes can play in any era. It doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Even, like, all-star players in that era could play in today's game. But, like, no, like, dude, Will Purdue, like, John Paxson, yeah. not getting buckets today, bro. No, I'm sorry. Not, it's just not fucking happening. They're not getting playing time. Hell no. Like, no. Like, I'm going to take a Josh, a hard Josh stance here. Like, John Paxson might not get run on a D1 squad. He may be on a G League squad at best. At best. Yeah. I, I, it's crazy. And, and I just, I don't understand that argument. I think the toughness of those guys back then was different, though. And so, I mean, I am sure. in the in the camp of, I think, that they would run them off the court. But I think the to sit there and say that the talent level is the exact same as it was back then is crazy because there are just so many people that have grown up like Kobe fans that aspire to be like Kobe or MJ or whoever, you know, put your, put the name there. And like that, that's changed this game. Like people aspire to grow their skill set to be like players. That's, that's what you're trying to do. Yep. That's the yep, whole point. That's exactly right. So uh, this, so these two, We'll get into the actual doc, I guess. These two episodes were really interesting for me. I feel like we got to see, I think in episode five is where we got into the Dream Team stuff, right? Yeah, so five was like the the 98 All-Star game where Kobe was there as a 19-year-old kid, which is right. a fucking awesome story. Really cool seeing them going back and forth. Um, yeah, we got into Dream Team stuff. They kind of they kind of transitioned into like the Nike, yep. uh, and, and just you know his you know, global icon status that he established in the early nineties. And, and that really in and of itself is amazing. Like the Gatorade commercials, like Mike stuff, like 
all that stuff is brilliant, you know, and I really felt like this was a really good roller coaster in the middle of uh, like kind of a roller coaster hill in the middle of this series where it took you up to the rise of him. And so like we're getting to the era where I start to really vividly remember these three Bulls championships that are coming up after he comes out of quote unquote retirement. And right. um, I felt like that like the the ones leading up to that it was interesting to see how it was the rise and then it, in episode six was more about the fall and the gambling and some of that stuff that um was less talked about and i don't know if we're in for more of that but it, that's kind of how it felt for sure yeah and i mean I, I know josh is he's out today so can't share his thoughts he definitely is all in on this being an mj doc yeah and not a, not a bulls doc right but like you have to tell this. I like the, I like the progression in the, the way they're telling the story, and they are doing what I thought they were going to do after we reviewed one and two, where they're kind of doing this parallel of the season and his career, right? So, like in the middle of the season right now, like January of '98, yeah. but they're in like '92 in the middle middle of his career, right? And it kind of shifts backwards and forwards to paint the narrative of of what it was like, but I definitely felt like for the first time, and we'll get into six specifically here in a minute, but that was the first time as a whole in this series that there was a bit of a picture. I felt like there was a bit of a narrative that was meant to be painted here uh, when it gets to the gambling stuff, but I thought the dream team stuff was really cool. Uh, like all the, like them, all the footage of playing and practice and stuff together with magic and everything when magic pissed him off and he turned into that, like that other gear like that's the thing about mj that's intangible that you can't really put your finger on is the way he lit up when someone like changed or the way he changed gears when someone lit that fire underneath him yeah i i think i can't get over how cool the interactions between mj magic and bird are like i just think those are the absolute best seeing that and um the dream team footage which i've seen a couple of times Same, you know it's yeah. that like you know old school gym, like kind of spotty footage, clearly from 28 years ago or whatever. Uh, you can see him really suck the life out of that gym and kill the morale of some of the best guys of all time. And yeah. it's really crazy. And they're just all like, dude, we're on the same team. He's like, no, fuck you. I want to beat you. Right. And I mean, you see his his competitiveness. It's competitiveness. Uh, what was that? You remember that scene? I think it was in episode six. Now, I don't want to jump around, but just real quick, the uh, where he's playing with like his security team he's playing he would just quarters. chill in yeah. that chair he would just chill in that chair with his security team in between waiting for the games because it was just so out of control at that point yeah and what are they doing with quarters they're uh, just throwing quarters they're they're tossing yeah. them up to get them as close to the wall without touching yeah and I mean he's just just gambling and just you know we'll get into that in a second but it's he loves it he's exactly he's a competitor and like I think it's that's why I felt like a narrative was being painted a little bit with all that is because that is how they painted his gambling is, oh, well, he just likes the competition. And it's like, well, I mean, that's definitely it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, as a gambler, I can tell you that's true. But, yeah. like, it's still a little bit of a guise. For, and he's just super defensive about it as well, where yeah. he's like, no, I don't have a problem. Like, I'm all good. I can stop at any time. It's yeah. like. Been there. This is literally <laughs> like the stage of denial, man. Like Been there. Yeah. So I, I, I thought. You've been though, gambling draft picks for 20 years and fucking it up over and over. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I just. I So I thought it was interesting, though, that they told 
those ups and downs, peaks and valleys throughout both of these episodes as a whole. But I really thought that the episode five really, I mean, it went into the Nike stuff, but like, so were you surprised that Phil Knight wasn't on, on this thing talking about it at all? A little bit. Yeah. I, I, there's gotta be a reason there. I don't know if there was a fallout because is Jordan brand separate from Nike now, or is it still a subsidiary? It's all, it's a subsidiary. So it's all the, under the same umbrella. Well, kind of, there it's, had to be some kind of falling out there or reason he didn't want to do that. But dude, I know that Nike is really kind of, I don't want to say secretive that's not the right word, but they're just, just one of those companies that's kind of known to keep things under lock and, and keep things pretty tight. And I, I, I don't, I've never really seen, I've read Phil Knight's book, but that's all I really know about him is that and it's obviously ghost written so i mean it's it would have been cool to get his perspective or whoever was making the decisions at nike yeah. uh, for him to bring on although mj was probably a no-brainer just like what that initial conversation sounded like would have been really fucking cool well i mean I, you know like I, I don't know if this surprises me more than anything else or not but like the fact that adidas continually shoots like continues to shoot themselves in the foot might be the most unreal thing i've ever seen and especially in this case yeah, I mean, so I didn't realize, like, I want to jump into the shoe conversation for a minute. Like, so Converse were the shoes of the 80s, which is fucking crazy. Not the old school Chucks that dudes in the 60s played in, um, you know, that Wiz Khalifa wears and, like, has become a pretty popular shoe again. But, like, these high top, like, terrible looking Converse that Magic and Bird were rocking and Adid Kareem had Adidas. But, like, Converse was the shoe and Nike was an afterthought. Being a 90s baby and buying shoes in the 2000s, that doesn't even seem like a real thing. A realistic expectation or anything, yeah. Yeah, like no one hooped in Converse. Dude, they look like bricks attached to your feet. And they <laughs> yeah. like they didn't have different colors. They didn't. Maybe that's why they weren't jumping as high as they have three pounds on each feet. <laughs> it's got to be it. Just buckets <laughs> of cement on your feet. It's, it's interesting, though, because like... And felt like we were just talking about Phil Knight's book. It's actually really good. It's called Shoe Dog, and it's about the the way he started Nike and everything, and just what it grew into. But like, it really took shoes to another stratosphere because everybody wanted the MJs. Dude, they're still hard to get. They're still tough to get, and obviously that was going to be a the case like during this documentary and a quarantine time and all that. But like, that's that's never not been the case. Like, it's it's the. Uh, madness that sh the shoe industry has has placed on just culture in general particularly through basketball is absolutely astounding yeah i mean it's it has elevated i mean the hype beast thing is so real man i mean it's elevated to a level i never thought it would when i was trying to decide if i wanted t-max or or iversons back in the you know in fifth grade yeah I mean, you got apps for selling these. I mean, the resale value gets into, you know, high thousands. Uh, it's pretty crazy. I'll say right now, I do think there are a lot of quality shoes out there. And, like, I love some of the Jordans. Like, the ones are classic. Yeah. Um, more so for more so for casual. Like, it yeah, doesn't dude. really make sense on the court. They're actually pretty clunky. Technologies yeah. came. I, I love the Jordan 4s, and then the Jordan 11s are my all-time favorite. But... I think there's better shoes now, honestly. And, oh, definitely. And, like all kinds of dudes got shoes that you wouldn't think have shoes. Right. Oh, definitely. A hundred percent. And like, so I've always liked the Jordan ones, but the low tops, just because I've never really 
Yeah, I, see, I never I'm more of a high top guy. Yeah, for, I never hooped for, him. Not for casual wear necessarily all the time, but like yeah, definitely for hooping. Well, right for sure, and like I I want something that's really going to protect my ankles if I'm hooping, so it's not really one of those things where I'm that concerned about. <laughs> the, it's like you said, it's more of a style thing, I guess. And so I, I just think though that. I mean, those the new Jordans are still talked about when they come out every single time now, and there's always just a different iteration of colors and everything. I mean, that's the part of the genius too, right? Is that they limit a lot of the coloring and all that stuff, right? Yeah, and they do exclusive and, and you know jack up the price on exclusive color schemes and, and additions and things like that. It's it's pretty brilliant. Um, I do I do feel like. Now though that the the shoe game is a little like saturated, so it's kind of getting hard to be unique. Like we talked about, Luca needs to come out with his own shoe, but it's like it's kind of hard to be unique at this point because a lot of the shoes are starting to look the same. I think you know the Kobe's are classics for quality and for style, um, KDs, but like eventually these guys are gonna have, all their shoes are gonna look the same at some point, right? I don't like, like LeBron's are kind of like they're kind of boring to me. There's just there's not well LeBron's are. Big. Up to your fucking calves, like yeah. they're medieval boots that you strap on because the guy's 280 pounds, so he has to protect his ankle. Right. See, I like the Katie and Hardens because they're mid top, so you right. get that ankle flexibility, but you still get you know a little bit, a little bit of support. Uh, the Durants are definitely clean for sure. I, I yeah, those the, are probably some of my favorites. So those are built for the or like they're designed by the player, right? So they're built for narrow feet footed people. Cause KD, yeah. if you haven't seen Cracker his feet, feet, we've talked about Googling it. It's terrifying. Yeah, we did um, on the air. It's really day. narrow feet. So if you have a wide foot, not the shoe you want to step into, but dude, I kind of like Jordan's current lineup for NBA players. I just, uh, just went to the, uh, the website and found it. I guess, uh, Russ is no longer, no longer with them. No, I don't think so. I think he went, I forget where he went. But they, they did sign Zion, and they did sign Jason Tatum, which I think are two really good signs for the future. Definitely. And, and then Rui Hachimura, which is fucking weird, but whoa. he's a Wizards player, so that makes sense. Yeah, that that's true. But I think that's part, been part of the mystique around Jordan and his company and all that, too. And so uh, what else that episode five really stood out to you? So the Kobe so thing was... Let's talk about the Kobe stuff, because we're not on the same page there, right? Like, we talked about how... He wasn't really, like, in the locker room. He's kind of, like, talking shit, saying he doesn't let the game come to him. He's a one-on-one -on -one guy. Like, I'm going to bust his ass, which he, he did win the MVP. Like, he was still the guy. Yeah. Even in 98, but. I was dying whenever was he really, whenever he said, if you take you take and miss four shots on my team, you're not getting the ball again. Yeah, I wouldn't pass him the fucking ball again. Yeah. So, he said, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's so great, which I, I love seeing them go back and forth. And, obviously, it's, you know, he's my favorite player. It's different now, but with the situation recently but i mean it's so cool watching them go back and forth and kobe ask about hey when you when you do this you know in the, your post movie you fade away like what what are you doing here body control and things of that nature and like kobe stole all of jordan's moves and yeah he's pretty open about it and you know when they asked jordan you know who of these new guy new school guys would you not want to play one-on-one -on -one? he said kobe because he's he does all he stole all my moves you know and he's just him uh, the younger personified really yeah seeing that was really cool and then i went and watched when they had the kobe memorial when jordan presented and broke down in tears and had another memeable face uh another memeable crying face he uh it, it seemed really genuine him talking about being the bigger brother and then seeing 
you know, the development of that. And that was like the first time it, it really started was in that 98 all-star game. Dude. Yeah. I think that's, that's true. I, I, so I thought this was cool for a lot of reasons with Kobe. Like this was the last footage that he had made before he, he had passed. So like this was done like right before. And man, like I, I, I've thought this several times throughout, by the way, I'm so glad that they were able to get like, uh, David Stern's takes and everything because it would have been so different. I mean, he hasn't added much to it, but it's still a cool contextual thing to have in it. And yeah, I mean, you have to because David. I mean, David Stern was. I mean, him and Michael were like that was his guy, right? Um, so I, I think you have to have him in there. It just doesn't tell the story all the way, right? And I, I, I just think though, there's this, um. There was that buildup, though, throughout this whole thing where, like, it felt like MJ was starting to really kind of get sideways with Jerry again. And, you know, things have just started to kind of build a little bit as far as reputation and he's on top of the world. So then you get into episode six. And I think that is where we really start to see somewhat of a narrative built, I think, but I think some realness to it also. Like, like, well, let's be real. Jerry Krause thought Tony Kukoc was the future of the Dude. Bulls and not Scotty <sighs> and Michael. And they've already won you rings, bro. Like, what the fuck is happening? Right. Like, it, he put him in an untenable position. He really did. And that's the most unfair shit I've ever seen. Dude, that was savage what they did to him. And the, they just went right at him, man. Right at him over and over and over and over. And it's just, I don't understand why we led all the way up to that. I, I I just don't understand where his head was at in any of this other than, I mean, you have an owner that's letting him do this, right? Like, that's part of the problem. Yeah, I mean, are you talking about the owner letting Krause do that or yeah. letting Mike? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. The Krause is out of his mind, but it's one of those, they've kind of alluded to it on, on the doc, is Napoleon Complex. Yep. The guy wanted to be the best GM, the smartest guy, you know, took, made these bold moves, and it's like, okay, you hit on Michael, mm -hmm. you hit on Scotty, you've had some good free agent signings, you put the team together around him that makes sense. Don't try to do too much, though. Like, yeah, try to make Tony Kuko choose a solid and like play the big role on the on the back end finals. Sure did. Um, but, but I mean, you're not going to build a team around him in the NBA, right? But like, my thing is too, like, you have. Jerry Risendorf, or whatever the hell his name is, the owner who yeah. refuses to take any responsibility for that. I mean, this is the same owner that, so he owns the White Sox as well. And this is the same owner that during the MLB strikeout year where the World Series didn't happen, like the White Sox were the best team in baseball. And you have an owner saying, I, I would rather vote to shut this season down than pay a $5 million fine to the players or whatever. I forget how exactly the, the things worked out, but we're talking about a guy that was willing to shut down the entire season when his team was almost certainly going to win the World Series. Yeah, it was Thomas and, and crew. Yeah, it was a really good White Sox team, and that dude was willing to say, fuck that. I'm not paying this. We're shutting this down. That's it's, crazy. So you're, my you're, what you're telling me is that guy doesn't care about winning as much as he cares about money. That's what it seems like to me, and... So, like, that's where this came to a head. Like, you're going to tell me that you're going to get into a contract negotiation over, like, or a fight with Michael Jordan or Scottie Pippen? What the fuck, dude? Yeah, it makes no sense. Especially, God, it is such a fuck you that that they turned around and won just as much and did everything. I mean, 
he just willed them to a place. But so we're so in six, we're starting to see Michael getting worn down by the media. How much do you buy that? First of all, I buy it a lot. I mean, I think he could compartmentalize it really, really well. Yeah, but and I think he enjoyed it, especially at the beginning. A hundred percent, you could see him in the eighties. He's soaking it up. He's loving it. But I think it was wearing on him by that third, that third finals. I mean, that was what ninety. 93 for the third one and you you remember that scene where he's like just drinking and smoking a cigar and laying in his room by himself and he's like yeah this is what the fuck i do yeah it's like he can't go anywhere no without people just freaking out he can't breathe and i i think it was getting to him a lot of people have come out this week and said you know take guys have said you know they're pretty adamant that jordan didn't leave the league because of gambling he left the league because he was tired of the fame i don't know if i buy that but i do believe he was tired of the fame for sure yeah i think he did somewhat of a break from it is what it sounds like but i mean that is the picture they're painting here and i you know we talk we joke about that conspiracy theory about the gambling thing like i think the gambling thing was a big part of it and i i just don't really buy that i I can't imagine that that was like uh, you know i don't know I, i i can't really I, I want to believe that more than anything else because all all the stars kind of align to it. But, I mean, he really does seem like he was getting worn out by it. And just the footage, like, man, doing the interview with the sunglasses on was such a weird move. Dude, yeah, he was he was really tired of it. But it's hard to walk away in the, the peak of your powers at 31. Like, yeah, Barry Sanders did that, but Barry Sanders played on dog shit teams. Yeah, and Barry Sanders was never the Michael Jordan of his sport. Uh, I mean, he was definitely the best player in the league when he retired. It, he retired in the middle of his prime, which is well, true. Yeah, he didn't really have it. That's why I was, and that's what Michael did the first time. So that's why I was trying to, uh, yeah, I get you. Draw that comparison, but um, I, I, I do think, you know, we in episode six is the first time we really saw people not looking at Jordan as a villain by any means, but like not as a you know, Mr. All-American likable guy, be like Mike, I yeah. think greatly changed from like the f- the first ring to the third ring. But Rosillo made this point, and I think this is the, I was I was thinking this too, and I've thought this always because I look at basketball and sports just in general, I look at them a little bit differently than a lot of people do. I look at them on, on a very macro level, a very zoomed out version. And so like whenever I was watching like Golden State just go on an absolute tear for three or four years there, I I really understood that I was looking at greatness and I was trying to just soak that in as much as I can For because sure. that ends it always ends it's ne- I mean this is that's what this whole documentary is about is it ending and yep. that's just how it goes and I think people get to a point where they're uh, like you remember how popular Golden State was in the first couple years but by the time that we got to just recently people Hated. wanted to burn them to the ground and that's just what people do is human nature. It's human nature. We want to know the bad shit about the guy. Right. We want to know the dumb shit he's done. And you know what? Like, I don't, f- it's funny because it's, he was getting killed for gambling or whatever. But like, I, I think that that was so salacious in a way because people just didn't expect it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think Jordan rules caught people off guard and maybe started opening the eyes a little bit and, that guy seemed a little. I'll say the the guy that wrote that seemed like a little bit of a 
of a of a spaz a little bit. Like Talk about he, Sam Smith, yeah, dude, that guy sucks. Yeah, I didn't really. I, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of of that book. Um, I know Josh likes it a lot, but I I don't know. I think it maybe didn't paint the fairest picture. I'm not trying to bail Michael out of anything, but honestly, this documentary is making me like him a lot more. Yeah, uh, definitely not one of my favorite players of all time, and I just didn't see him play enough. But he's undoubtedly the goat. I've been convinced that sure. from, like I said, episode one. I thought that already. Um, yeah. But man, I really like his personality. Like I like him shit talking his own teammates and kind of being an asshole. Absolutely, like, I'm a big fan of that. I mean, not just like that's not the type of person I necessarily am or want to be. But it's like I really like that in in sports because it's unique. Like yeah. I. I love LeBron too, but it, or like look at Steph. Like I don't really want to see the the you know all American poster boy. I like seeing like Jordan just be like I'm gonna I'm gonna dominate and yeah. I'm gonna be an asshole about it and I'm just gonna bring more energy. Like Russ does that. That's why I love Russ so much. Yeah, and like to me, I think about it and it's like LeBron has an edge, but LeBron doesn't have that kind of edge, and that's what no, surprises no. me because it's like how. You know, like we're in, in talking about the top one and two player of all time here, like, but that's just. I think I think Kawhi has that edge, but it's very, very like it's like a it's, he's a dark person. I feel like man, yeah, this dude. is so strange with him, but I feel like he has that edge, yeah, mentally where he. I really think he can get under guy's skin without under guy's skin without trying, and I just think he's he's cold blooded like Mike in the last minute, few minutes of the game. He's like. I'm going to take this over and I'm going to win this game. Yeah, I agree with you there. And we've seen that a few times and he's still pretty young. Right. Like, he's 27. Mike hadn't done anything at 27. It's true. It's very true. He was just starting to to move into his prime. I but- mean, he was a great player, but he hadn't won. Oh, he won his first, excuse me, he won his first ring at 27. I apologize. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's fair. But I I don't know, man. It's interesting because I, so this is where I, like I said, I really start to kind of, remember a lot of this kind of stuff and, and like what the talk was and everything and i mean would this even be him going to a casino until one o'clock in the morning before the all-star would that would that even be a story now oh i think so for think sure so? i don't think players ca- can do that anymore i think it would be uh, more of a story now yeah i guess that's true yeah i mean i think these guys are so monitored and they're so noticeable they're so recognizable as far as just the size of nba players in person is insane um, and then just their faces are so recognized by even casual fans. I, there'd be no way they could go to a casino without someone noticing. It would be on Twitter 10 minutes later, you know, you know, LeBron James at Atlantic city before an all-star game, you know, and then some, and then it'd be some like skip Bayless take, like, this is why, this is why we can't take LeBron as serious as Jordan. Yeah. He just doesn't care, you know? And it's like something fucking stupid like that. Yeah. Not I, to- I just think it would get blown way out of proportion now not to go all football on everybody for a second but anytime everyone tells me that the cleveland browns are going to accomplish something in the coming year i just reference them back to the fact that they had a quarterback who decided to go to vegas on an off weekend and disguised himself with a mustache and wig and johnny Manziel. incredible that's a team that's a team that drafted that guy so what's even funnier is you could have told me that was baker and i would have believed it also (laughs) Exactly. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, I mean, so I'm with you there. I guess just is the stance on gambling changed. I don't. I I have oh, a hard yeah, time yeah, telling. For sure, for sure, it's way more. It's. I mean, honestly, dude, it's like the stance on a lot of things has changed. The stance on weed, the ch- stance on gambling. It's just g- gambling was so taboo in the 80s and 90s. Uh, I, I would say amongst pop culture and like 
American culture than it is now. Josh and I were having the conversation the other day that the we pinpointed the downfall of American values, and that's in the show Married with Children, just in general. That was the downfall. That was the turning point. Such an incredible show. It's a and great that's like, show. I love that's that show. Late, late, or my mid eighties to early nineties. Yeah, I think was run there. I think it was actually uh, more nineties oriented, but it was regardless, a late eighties to like mid nineties kind of. Yeah, but yeah. a great show nonetheless. But that was great the show. the pinpoint of the value of the moral compass of America, and now like we're just like ah fuck it, let's smoke some weed and throw some bets down. Let's go. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and every, I mean, like, it's so funny because I feel like I know a lot of my friends' dads that are so. Well, uh, was uh, Al Bundy? Is that the character? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah it's so, so Al Bundy like it's, so, it's hilarious. Yeah. It's definitely worth a rewatch. If you got some quarantine time, it's, it's, it's <laughs> classic, man. But yeah, I, I really, so for me, I just, I would never have a problem with that though. Like I, you know what? Like, it's not like he has to prove himself. Like the dude just what? What was that after championship two that that happened? Or was that after three? I believe that was after three. I yeah. think that, regardless, like the dude's Michael Jordan. I don't know. Uh, I guess maybe I didn't feel like that was as big of a deal as that was. I mean, do you do you buy the the picture that they're painting with this though? That his gambling is just a part of being competitive and like, oh, well, it's all relative because a grand to him is like ten bucks in your bank account. Which I, I mean, that is a very true thing. But like, I mean, that's just math, right? Yeah. Like that makes sense, but. I think it's a little bit more than competitiveness. Like I'm a competitive person and I like to gamble. Those things are both true. So I could say that's what it is, but I'm not saying I'm a degenerate, but there is some, there is some bad behavior. There's maybe a little bit of an addictive behavior there. Right. And that's the danger. um, The thing is, is like he hates losing more than he likes to win, which is definitely true for me and true for me in gambling. Same. But it's like that that when you get that win, you're like, I can do it again. It's like yeah, I no know problem. what I know what he's going through is that he's doing it with hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> and I'm watching Pac twelve on Friday at twelve thirty and if I lose fifty bucks, I'm just gonna scream at the top of my lungs. Right. Like they're pl- <laughs> I mean, they're playing for skins on the golf course, you know, like gr- a grand a hole. I thought that was cool is that they showed the actual footage of them gambling on the course and like you know, closest to Penn to Grant, you know, that kind of thing. Like they were. So I thought he was potentially gambling on basketball. I, I definitely will clarify. I don't think he was gambling on basketball or NBA games. And dude, if he was just gambling on golf, like, yeah, from an addiction standpoint, I think, you know, he maybe had a problem, but that doesn't interfere with basketball. So he, that, that's what maybe says, okay, he probably didn't leave the league because of gambling because you can't just be like, oh, this man's gambling on the golf course. He can't play basketball anymore. Like, Let me ask you this: How many times have you been sit- How many times have you been sitting at the blackjack table wondering how your football bet's doing from the sports book? Because <laughs> it's been a lot of times for me. I guess that's a good point. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, it's easy to do. I don't know that that was necessarily the case, but like, uh, and I don't know that he was doing it necessarily that night or anything like Here's that. I'm not trying though. to pinpoint it. With if the Jordan theory. gambled on basketball, he wouldn't shave points and try to. And be like, oh, you know, because like that's always the scandal. Is guys shave points and they make games close than they're supposed to be and keep it within the spread. He would just bet on himself to right. cover the spread and then take fifty shots, or just take the money line and just know he's going to so win. So any game where he scored fifty plus, that that's where you got to see. Did one of his boys walk into uh, Atlantic City and place a bet? Because that's what it would have been. What is his all-time win percentage? 
because winning percentage, I got. I would have to find that for you. I can tell you his win share is two fourteen, which over thirteen seasons is pretty unreal. Um, so. I did want to say while you're looking that up, I highlighted this. I really think that his was it his first championship. Yeah, let me get. Yeah, so the yeah the ninety one, ninety two. So the second championship. I think that was maybe peak Michael. I think that was the best Michael in terms of his mid-range game was definitely stronger in the, in the end, but his mid-range game was still strong then. Athleticism was out of control. I think that was like peak getting to the rim, peak defense. I think that player you were going to be able to insert into the league at, in 2050. Yeah, probably so. I yeah. Oh, I mean, definitely so. I think he could probably still be dominant right now but yes yeah, so that was like a thing people were talking about this week too is like if michael played now that he'd score 50 points strong disagree i think he would score about the same the defenders are so much fucking better like dan yeah, marley's but, not guarding you in the western or the fucking finals that's that's wild sure. it was like dan marley's a good defender it's like shut the fuck up i, I just <laughs> i think that he could adjust his game or their game. I mean, it would essentially Justin, be he averaged 30 points a game for his career. Like he's, he averaged 37 his third season. Yeah. Like I think he would average like 35. I think he would do what Harden's doing more efficiently. That's yeah. insane. He would still probably be top. He would be a top three MVP candidate every year. Right? No, you're hundred percent, hundred percent accurate. I just don't think he, you can't just be like, he'd average 50. Like, I don't know I, about that. Yeah. That he wouldn't be the defender. He was, I can tell you that much. Well, and all of that so much of it, and we learned in the, the last set of episodes in three and four that the triangle changed his game. And when he really bought into it, he realized that, you know, he doesn't have to do it all. And I think you put him next to like clay or something like that. And it, Jesus fucking Christ, you know, like, yeah, because you get him with shooters where you can spread out and he can really get by guys. But, you know, Josh talked about it before. When Jordan gets by somebody, if he was playing now, there's going to be a guy that moves over way faster. Yeah. Like I don't he's going to get there faster, but he's actually, he's going to start the movement of getting in front of him quicker. I think, though, that Jordan hitting that gear is 110% better than anything even close to what you see in the league as far as effort and or caring from any NBA players now. Like you imagine him going at like effort, Joel yes. and B. Physical dominance, no, but effort, yes. Yeah, like, but the like shit Giannis does is really fucking crazy. But could you imagine how he would just drive and beat into the floor all night long, just run him and gun him until he was exhausted? I mean, that's what he would do. He would just find ways to get like to exploit their weaknesses. That's what he does. Mm. I think you. I think I don't think it would be as easy as people think. Okay. Because I, I think the toughness shit is so overblown. Brasil talked talk, about. This. I'm talking about mindset more than anything else. I, I, I understand. When he decided uh, to go, he I, was going to go no matter players who. Players are more mentally weak now than they were then necessarily. They They're are. They are more mentally weak than Jordan, but so is everybody. Like right. That's what I'm saying. Physicality shit is what I'm talking about. Like I, I like Bill Lambeer is soft as fuck. That dude yeah. weighs like 220 and it's a bean pole and would get tossed. Like True. that's the stuff I mean. But like I do think Jordan could play mind games with especially a lot of guys coming into the league young now mm -hmm. and really fuck them up and really get in their head and shake their confidence oh. and, and kill and kill dudes for sure. Um I think guys being spread out would benefit him a lot. 
I just think that like he's not going to get around guys as easily because the athletes move their feet better and their arms are longer. And there's just more schemes now where athletic big men are coming over immediately and you're doubling in a sense. Yeah, but I would have more assists. Like he's a great player, right? Like he's going to figure it out. Mike's going to figure it out. Right. Don't tell me he's going to average 50 and then like just shut down my conversation. Yeah, that's an absurd take. I think just to assumption there's a lot there's a lot more to consider there because the adaptation of what his game would be like would be I mean, even even if you dropped him in today's NBA, I mean, there'd be a lot of shifting and adjusting of his game in general to figure out how that would fit. I mean, that happened with Kevin Durant, for God's sakes, whenever he got dropped onto that Golden State team, is yep. you had to figure out what, how that flow was going to work properly. So um, we kind of feel like Jordan is the villain a little bit at the end of this, right, of six? So what's funny is that narrative, that's definitely what, the audience took away, um, you know, just listening to feedback of the episode. This is making me fall in love with Jordan way more. Oh, yeah. This is what now, I, I don't love know, about I don't think that's necessarily the intent. No. I, I, I definitely think so because I think that he's dealing with this. Like, I was thinking about that uh, whenever we were, we were talking about the scene where he was just laying on the couch, like, you know, in his hotel room. Like, do you think he'd be like KD with the burner phones if he were living in today's, like, just getting some 100%, fucking oh dude yeah just getting he's so some competitive and cares so much what people think about him that dude, dude would have had a staff of guys everybody in that room waiting with them would have had six burner phones themselves 100 percent. i also firmly think that he would have he would probably just do it from at michael jordan from his his twitter handle i don't think he'd have burner accounts i think he'd just do it well, I think he would do all that. I think it, yeah. would just, it would just be a volume like, I'm going to fucking do this. Like, I'm going to be a psychopath about yeah. it. Just a fucking Donald Trump effort. Just fucking go yeah. for it. Yeah, no, it's 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 really interesting, though. I, I've thought about, like, how he, he would deal with that, and it does feel like the pressure is getting to him a little bit in all of this. It doesn't show on the court, which is, I guess, all that matters. But What, what I like about this, too, though, that's different than now is, like, with like the Pippen situation where they couldn't get the contract figured out. If this was happening in 2020, you know, guys are way closer in the league because of social media and AAU ball and all of this dudes would have been hitting them up on, on Twitter and Instagram yeah. saying like, dude, come on, come, come check us out. Come over here. They would have, he got, would have got recruited away. So I, I like the like lack of technology that's that we're seeing there. Right. Cause it's kind of at the turn of, of really the, the tech bubble for us. And, I like the old school vibe in this, but it's still like new school enough to not feel incredibly outdated. Right. Like he was dealing with the same shit that the guys deal with today. It's right. we have not come that far. And we talked about that at the very beginning of this thing is that we're not that different as a, a, a society. And I, I just well, I, really even as media, the media, is well, that's that what I'm saying. Different. The it, biggest it, difference is players reactions. Know, changing teams so often and, and, communicating with star players communicating with one another and wanting to be friends and team up versus being enemies which the older generation looks at as like you're not as competitive that's weak which there's maybe some merit to that but i'm also of the mindset of like okay if i have 16 great players in the league i'd rather have two of them on eight teams than one of them on 16 teams absolutely right that, that just makes sense yeah but I mean, I'm I'm a strong believer of the world. We're only as weak as our you know weakest link here, or world is great as our weakest link here. And I think that in and of itself is just not something that really exists anymore. 
Like it's just the the mentality of we'll just shoot the lights out all night long and, and do it. Yeah, that we're way gonna instead. pay two guys half the money and then find a bunch of lengthy guys that can shoot threes. It's kind of brilliant, though. It's a different different approach. It's so brilliant, and it's gonna market correct. Like it's gonna go back. There's gonna be. There's not going to be another Shaq, quote-unquote. There's going to be another true big man that comes along that's so good that it's like, okay, if we just spread shoot him ISO in the paint, like that's going to be a problem. Like, right. Things will change at some point. I, I don't know if – I don't know. The number of threes has gone up consistently for 14 seasons. I don't know if we see that changing. But I do think that there's going to be – I guess I think more traditional style players will will come and go still. Yeah, I think so, too. I think we will swing back the other way. I don't know that we'll ever get back to the physicality maybe that we had at one point in time, especially if we have to maintain social distancing. That's a joke. We, uh, yeah, no shit. We may never see another Tim Duncan type guy, though, like <laughs> fundamentals. Like, we're not going to see a seven-footer doing bank shots, are we? No, probably, probably not. Because he's just going to be pulling from three if he has enough touch to shoot from 16, and you're not going to bank threes. But like. it's some true. I mean, that may be Steph's next trick uh, bag in his, his tricks. Uh, but, you know, it's it's one of those things, though, where at some point the league is going to get smaller and smaller, and then the uniqueness is going to be in a guy like Zion who can get to the rim and that can, you know, and there's already a lot of value in it. But, like, guys like Jokic and fucking Joel Embiid don't make a great case for the big man surviving in this league going forward. Joel Embiid shoots really good. He has a better three-point for his career than Michael Jordan or Scottie Pippen. Well, yeah, but, I mean, it's... He's taking more, so technically he should probably have a lower one. True. He shouldn't be taking more, though, would be the conditional <laughs> I logic. I agree. But, like, Jokic is an anomaly because that's the best passing big man I've ever seen. Like, he's, he's you know, they, they talk about creating of the point forward with Scotty. Mm -hmm. He's a point center. He's literally a point center. Yeah, but. He's the best point guard on that team. Like, Jamal Murray's a scoring guard, and. and Gary Harris Jr. is like, eh. Yeah, well, and I mean, we don't really... Boy, I hadn't even thought about this. I was going to say, uh, we don't even really know what we have with Michael Porter Jr., but this couldn't be working out any better for him. Yeah. Yeah, he <laughs> needs all the time to get his decrepit self together. Um, <laughs> Unbelievable. So we're headed to baseball with this thing next. I mean... This is an absurd story. This is where the story really falls off the rails. If MJ would have just retired and been out of basketball for a year and come back, I'd have much more of an easier time believing the whole, you know, non-scandals thing. But I just don't understand this. So I'm hoping for clarity here. And I don't understand if he was such a competitive person and hated losing so much. Why did he go and do something that he knew he was going to be shit? Right. Well, that's been my favorite articles this week is, well, MJ would have made the big leagues. And it's like, well, yeah, fucking course he would. He's Michael Jordan. That's yeah, an easy thing been, to sell. He would have been an elite baseball player. Right. That, a lot of guys make the league that aren't elite fucking baseball players. Yeah, like, like Dion made the league, but he was an average. You know, he was played big leagues, but he right. wasn't a great player. Like, there's a reason that Tim Tebow has never made it above double A. There's a reason. Yeah. And it's, you know, anyway, so it, it's. That that is something I'm hoping for more clarity on as we go forward, and then I guess we'll probably. Where do you see this laying out? We've got what? So we've got four episodes left. So this is probably going to lay out the. There's going to be at least I would say one of these next episodes is going to be all about his dad dying and 
Yeah, it's going to be about his dad dying. Retirement. It's going to be about the end of the uh, third championship, the first retirement, going into baseball. It's going to be about the comeback, how that se- short season went. It's going to and, and the Bulls also with how they carried on without him. Yep. So yep. we're going to have it. So that's probably going to cover our next two, is my guess. I would think so. And then kind of the unwinding afterwards, because those, like I said, those three are the territory that I truly do remember a lot of. Yeah. See, that what's crazy is the only true basketball memories I have of Michael Jordan of live basketball was against Carl Malone and John Stockton. That is unbelievable. I mean, I was so I was seven when he won the when he won the last one. Yeah. So like you can only remember back so far. Oh, for sure. No, I'm with you. This was very much in my my I was very enamored with the NBA, but I was very Celtics focused, but obviously I knew what was going on in Chicago. Big just, Antoine Walker guy? Dude, that was another thing. I can't believe they didn't bring that the whole uh gambling thing with him up too. Oh, they they hit it on the uh that broke thirty for thirty. Oh he yeah. Was the, I guess he was they the did. headliner there. That's true, yeah. Hundred and twenty eight million dollar contract. Basically fully guaranteed, bankrupt. Bankrupt. Tough. You hate to see it. Yeah, you hate to see it, <laughs> but Jesus Christ. But, uh, but I, I think we leave episode six with, I don't know if Jordan's necessarily the villain, um, although it's funny you say that because I find myself falling in love with him, and I've always liked the the not likable guys Same. much, um, <laughs> i.e. Kobe and LeBron and Russ. Yeah. Um, but... I don't know if he's necessarily a villain, but his rep took a huge hit. Like he's definitely looked at as like a obviously self-centered, but like an arrogant, you know, verbally abusive to teammates. Like just you know doesn't want to deal with the media. But it's like I don't think people are thinking about how crazy that guy's fucking life was. Right, and they never do. They never like, and we've talked about this ad nauseum on this show about. Being asked every single night, are you leaving? Are you staying? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? What's happening with your teammate? What's it gets fucking old. It really does. And then whenever you do everything right and you get crucified for doing something to blow off a little steam, I, I just that to me is absurd. And I, I understand where these guys are coming from. What I can't stand, and it's definitely the uh get off my lawn culture that might lean a certain direction, but it's like you know, all these guys make hundreds of million dollars. All they got to do out there is go and, and, you know, play basketball. That's all they're doing is playing basketball. What What's the problem? It's like, Incorrect. dude, no one even gives a shit about where you're at anyway, anywhere. When the type of people are saying that it's like, you don't know what it's like to literally step outside of your house and be stared at like a spectacle. Right. right? Pointed like at. And... Like that's fucking annoying. Yeah, exactly. And like good on these guys for dealing with it like they have. And you see a lot of like, we saw this at the beginning where MJ's turning down a lot of autographs and stuff like that and having people yep. like, uh-uh, no, no, no. But, like, you got to do that. There's just no getting around it. You'll never do anything in life otherwise. I mean, you see him do, like, one or two and then just yeah. kind of be like, hey, hey, I'm done, guys. And, like, that's how you have to handle it because you sit there and do it for everybody. That's going to be the expectation every time. Correct. And if you don't do it in a certain city, it's like Michael Jordan hates right. Toronto or whatever it is. There's it's no like, winning. Right. There's no winning. And these guys deal with it all the time now. And I just, that's probably the part that I, I was not as cognizant of that brought to my mind was just that it's the same exact thing we see now as it was then. And 
He's just being hounded. And, I mean, of course, Mike Frances is on the radio in New York just fucking pounded him for gambling the night before. And it's like, well, I mean, he still showed up and won an MVP. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, Dude, that guy has, like, a diminished capacity. But, Dude, he's uh, fucking unbelievable. I, I, yeah, man, I, I really think the more I want, I think by episode 10, Mike is going to be one of my favorite players of all time. I know that to be true. He's so fucking good, too. He's just so good. And he knows it. He knows it, and like there's, I so what I admire the most about him, and, and we talked about this a little bit last episode too, whenever whenever we were reviewing three and four, but like, I mean, he brought the dude that didn't pick him in high school to his Hall of Fame speech just to roast him, like, <laughs> like that's an unbelievable move. Like this dude does not forget the people that wronged him. I don't think that he's particularly shown anyone disrespect that hasn't earned disrespect in his mind. Fair. I, I don't think that he completely um, likes everybody, but like that's what you were talking about with Kobe. Like he obviously had MJ's respect. Yep. And I wanted to tell you this too. I, I really, and I wish jo- I should. Josh should be here to defend himself. I don't know how he has LeBron number one. Um, yeah. I, I I I'm at a point where I don't actually think LeBron can get number one. Um, one if one thing happened, then I I think he could. But I told you, hey, if he gets another ring, he's there. Um, are you a little off that take now? I'm off that take. Just I mean, him leading bit. the league in assists this year is pretty fucking crazy. Dude, As I mean, it's 6'9", 35-year-old. It's fucking <laughs> unbelievable that he's anywhere close to in this conversation at all, period. Right. So. And, and, and anyone that had that expectation at 16 would fuck it up now. Guaranteed. Right. No doubt about uh, it. And I just, I think, though, what reigns supreme is just that there was no option of losing with Michael. Like, remember yeah. how outraged they were? I think this was in episode it two It wasn't or three. a choice. Like, right. LeBron was like, you know, LeBron's come out and said, like, I knew I had to win at that time. It's like, Mike knew that when he fucking stepped off the bus. Every time. Every time. And that, like, he didn't need the headband to come off in 2013 to turn on a, a different version of Mike. Like, he just, he was that guy. Right. And he lived and breathed it. And I think... I think LeBron's as close to that as you're ever going to get from a guy without being that kind of freak. I mean, He's I a just, freak. LeBron, the player we've ever seen, all just talents yes. as far as like, okay, this guy consistently can do some crazy shit on rebounding, passing, scoring, shooting, defending. He Absolutely. understands the game as better as anybody. Like, he's just the most complete package, you know. I would say no. I was gonna say no off off the court discussions. I'll mostly. say minimal off the court yeah, discussions. I mean, come on, mostly. Right, but so back to my take. I'm off if LeBron wins another one. If LeBron wins three more, he probably have to three peat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If oh, LeBron I mean, three peats. Sure. He might be the greatest player ever. If you three peat at 36, yeah, 37, 38. 38. Yeah, I agree with that. You now have 20 years of being arguably. The best you were the best player in the league for probably fifteen, and you're arguably a top the best player at your twentieth season. He'll have twenty all stars at that point. You know, eighteen All NBAs. Right. He'll probably be at forty thousand points, ten thousand rebounds, ten thousand assists. Like, yeah, you're probably the greatest player. Yeah, probably so. Probably ain't gonna happen. <laughs> but the 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 craziest part about that is you say all that, and then it's like you're probably the greatest. You know, like right, just, you might be, and that's. Yeah. The, that's something that's just so hard to describe. But what I've always loved about MJ is that there's just a way that he, like the way he goes into that gear is just, there's nothing else like it. There's nothing else like it. There isn't. And really any sport, any, any team sport, I got it. Cause tiger and golf is definitely Dude, like that. Tiger's but that's an individual there. sport. 
Um, I'm sure friends? you know Federer, somebody like that, and tennis is like that. Those are individual sports. I'm talking team sports. I honestly think Brady is maybe the closest. Yeah, maybe, but it, I don't know. Football is just different that way, though, because it really yes. does depend on one guy can't take over nearly as much. No, I mean that's just not possible because you're five on five versus eleven of them. I mean, I think Giannis can get there. He's only like twenty four or twenty five, and he's shown some glimpses of it for sure. As much as Michael had at 24. For sure. He can't be with Milwaukee, though, to, to take that next step. I just, think, I just think that's the biggest differentiator. And like Chris Middleton ain't going to be Pippen. No, like he needs, he needs a, a, a better two-man. Um, but you know what's funny is even if LeBron won those three rings, Jordan haters or uh, LeBron haters, all the Jordan sports would be like, it took LeBron 20 years to win six. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah. 13. Oh, I would definitely use that to in <laughs> and my then Josh would just it. spontaneously combust from anger. Um, certainly. That, that's definitely what I think. Actually, let me tell you that LeBron has to win seven to be considered the greatest. He's up there. So he has to win four and he's 30 about he'll be 36 at the end of this year and he needs to win four and he's won three in the last 17 years. So statistically speaking, not good odds. Not great. It's not great odds. He probably needed to knock out a couple more of those earlier on if that was going to happen. But it's been interesting, man. I think we're we're headed in a different direction with the documentary now than we thought we... Well, I don't know. I kind of thought we'd get here eventually as far as some of the ups and downs of it, but this is the I first time we've seen... I can't wait for the deep dive, though. You know, it, the, it's coming. It, it's really interesting, and a lot of that's really interesting as far as like how that all played out. Like Terry Francona was his manager at the time, so that's pretty interesting. And There's, there's a lot of different things out there, so we'll get into that next time, but... We're going to cut this thing. We'll get out of here. Um, we'll be back. So this is second this week. So we'll be back. I don't know. We'll probably do it Monday or Tuesday again, something like that. Yeah, that we'll way. get out a little sooner. We just had to chop it up a little bit uh, non, non-documentary non this week. Yeah, exactly. So we'll get into that, and uh, we will be back next week with you guys. Until then, we'll see you.